Live from Southern California, this is the Jim Rome Show. With the NFL full swing, Major League Baseball coming right down to it. I actually want to start today with the NBA. Now, we talked NBA Media Day yesterday. I want to talk about what went down here in SoCal. LeBron James is a Laker. And that's been kind of ramping up, right? But LeBron James, as a Laker, reached a new level this week with Media Day and the start of camp. The team had its first practice yesterday. It was very interesting to see. You've got LeBron, Rajon Rondo, jawing with each other, knocking down threes, talking trash. LeBron himself glossed the crew, the mud crew. Mud meaning misunderstood, underappreciated, determined. That group includes Rondo, Bees, my man, JaVale McGee, and Lance Stevenson. So they've got their nickname. They've got their gloss. Everything is going really well. And then again, why wouldn't it? LeBron is here in L.A. Now, LeBron's not new to basketball, of course. He might be new to L.A., but he's not new to being new to a team. He's done this before. He has seen everything. He has heard everything. At least he thought, and I thought, that he had until yesterday. Because when he dug in to meet with the media, this reporter threw him one of the biggest hooks he has ever seen. LeBron, the L.A. fan base, how do you expect to earn their, their respect and, and earn their loyalty? Who, me? The fan base, yes. Me? Yes, you. Huh? Because <laughs> what do you say to the fans that say they want to see you and, and earn their respect? Uh, I'll sign a four-year deal. How much more? I mean, what do you want me to do? Yeah. Uh, that's fine. I mean, that's, we talked to them outside of here yesterday. Listen, listen, I signed a four-year deal. I'm here, so hit me. I know what I bring to the table on the floor. That is such a great response. I mean, she's in there with, what do you have to do to earn the fans' respect here in L.A.? And he said, who? Me? Me? Yes. Me. Me? Huh? Who? Me? Huh? Huh? Me? Huh? It's such a great response. Wait, what, me? Moi? Me? This guy? Yes. The only thing missing was LeBron doing a big, exaggerated point at himself and then looking around for somebody else. Quote, I signed a four-year deal. How much more? What do you want me to do? Listen, I signed a four-year deal. I'm here. I know what I bring to the table and the floor. End quote. I mean, I got to be honest. I don't know that I've seen anybody that baffled by a question since Will Muschamp was asked about Star Wars. Excuse the Star Wars reference, but you guys kind of have a master versus Padawan thing going on with you and Nick. I mean, what's the sentiment in that? And What's a Padawan? You don't, you've never seen Star Wars? Huh? 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 Hey, listen, I'm not here to crack on the reporter. Now, that might not have been the best question ever. And it might not have come out the way that the reporter intended it, but I will give her this. I respect this. She kept right on firing. Shoot your shot. You miss 100% of the shots that you do not take, and she was not going to miss. Listen, being a reporter can be hard. Bashing a reporter for questions that don't quite work is not hard. It's easy. And I'm not going to take the easy path. I'm not about low-hanging fruit. I'm not about that life. Hell, that might not have even been the most awkward exchange between a reporter and an athlete this week. Check out Justin Thomas fielding this question. How much shame is there having uh, your dad be a sports writer? Pardon me? (laughs) Your father being a sports writer, is there a lot of shame in that? My dad being a sports writer? Am I missing something? (laughs) What? Yeah. Okay, yeah, I'm lost. I'm sorry. <laughs> There's a word for that exchange. There's a word for that moment. Awkward? Awkward! That was a shank off the first tee and right into the woods. Man, that fell flat. And that was confusing. But it'll happen. It'll happen to us all. You know that going in. Just like I know this going in. It is kind of ridiculous to ask a three-time NBA champ, a four-time MVP, a 14-time All-Star, a man who's been to eight straight finals and is arguably the greatest player in NBA history, how he's going to go about earning the respect with his new team. I mean, it sounds completely insane. But then again, have you met some Laker fans? 
No, sorry. Have you met some people in Southern California with Laker jerseys? They definitely see it the same way that reporter does. For them, it's not just enough that LeBron is the greatest player in the NBA and has been for quite some time. And it's not enough that he did sign a four-year deal to commit to them and is talking about it as a long process that he's committed. It's not some overnight smash and grab. Nor is it enough that he's the first big-name free agent to come to L.A. in a long, long time. And it's not enough that he's doing it at a time where the team, while it is improving, has still got a long way to go. No, no, none of that's enough. He still has to earn their respect, (laughs) according to Laker fan and or that reporter. Like, I know about the three titles. I know about the eight straight finals appearances. And I know I'm the best ever. I know all that. But you need to know this. You still need to earn my respect. You know, LeBron, what you did in Cleveland or Miami or Cleveland again, you haven't done jack in L.A. And until you do, you're just a guy and an old guy with a ton of freaking miles on him. I mean, essentially, that's what Laker fan is saying. That's what Laker reporter is saying. Incredibly. Me? Then again. Huh? Me? Me? You're talking to me. Huh? Did you just ask me what I have to do to earn their respect? Me? Yeah. Me? Me? Yeah. Me? Me? Huh? Me? Huh? Me? Me? Huh? Huh? But then again, this is the same crowd that was vandalizing LeBron murals to the point that they had to be taken down. Listen, the Lakers have not been to the playoffs in five years. And instead of being hyped that the GOAT wanted to come play for the team, these clowns really think that LeBron owes them something. Already, they don't see LeBron coming to the Lakers as an endorsement for the Lakers. In fact, they see just the opposite. They believe that LeBron needs their endorsement before he can come to the Lakers. And even then, even then, he can wear the Laker jersey, but to them, he's not a true Laker. Idiots. Idiots. He does not have to earn your respect. But some of these dumbasses think he does. Hey, you're not doing him a favor. He's doing you one because for the first time in years, somebody who actually matters wants to ball in your building, in your gear. So instead of insulting this guy, you should be thanking him. Benny Snell Jr. is my guest. Benny, it's great to have you on. Good morning. How are you? I'm doing good, man. Thank you for having me. So good to have you. Great to talk to you. Let me ask you about Saturday night. In fact, lots of things to talk to you about, but before the game, Mississippi State's Jeffrey Simmons was yelling at you. I want to start there. What was he saying to you, and what did you make of it at the time? <laughs> well, um, really, uh, it was it was the specials about when we were catching kicks, you know, and they came at the 50. And it seems like it was really the whole team. And, and I, I could point out Jesse, you know, they were pointing at me, you know, saying that. They were like, yeah, we want you. We want you, you know, to intimidate me. I'm like, yeah, I want you. I want you. I'm right here. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, it, it, it was, a, you know, a little uh, talk before, but it, it was all fun. I was excited. Benny Stone Jr., my guest, I was going to say, you know, you don't strike me as a guy who is lacking in fire or lacking in motivation, and I know what you're saying, that it was all fun, but when somebody comes into your house and is yelling at you, did you feel any disrespect, and did it give you any more juice? Yes, sir, definitely. I took that as disrespect from the get-go. As, as, soon, as, as soon as I witnessed that, um, I was yelling back at him, of course, and when I get into the locker room, I, I told the guys, I was like, look, these guys just tried to, I don't know what they just tried to pull or, or what stunt they tried to, you know what I'm saying? So I told the guys, I'm like, that's disrespect, especially at home. They they try to do that at home. We're not going for that. So we definitely had that fire up under us. Benny Snell Jr., my guest. And then you go out there and you rush for 165 yards. You had four touchdowns. And that's a 21-point win over number 14, Mississippi State. As the game progressed, you tied Randall Cobb's career TD record. Then you broke that record. What was the entire feeling of Saturday night like for you? Man, I was I was on the edge. You know, I was on the edge. I was on the edge every, every, every down, every time I was on the bench. The atmosphere was crazy. The fans was crazy. Um, the best environment to play in, especially it raining a little bit. Um, as the game went on, you know, it's like in the beginning, it's like we were kind of beating ourselves, you know, and then before the high, that two-minute drive down and go score. So we we knew that 
we could put points on the board. You know, we were just beating ourselves due to the holding penalties, you know, not winning our one-on-ones. But, you know, when we got in halftime, I'm like, yo, like, we can get it. We, we know what we're doing. We know what we're messing up. So now it's time to go out this next half and let's put it all together. And that's exactly what we did. It's Wednesday, which means it is the perfect day to buy a Casper mattress. Switching to Casper is a no-brainer. It's a high-quality mattress at an affordable price. I'm sleeping cool and comfortably every single night thanks to the unique combination of foams that provide the right pressure relief and alignment. And Casper, and Casper ships right to your door for free in a small, how did they do that, size box. They'll even pick it up if you don't love it, and they'll refund you everything. From its engineering to its packaging to letting you try it for 100 nights, it is no wonder that Casper has over 35,000 five-star reviews of all their products across Casper, Google, and Amazon. Sleeping on a mattress is the best way to try one. Put Casper to the test in your own home for 100 nights risk-free. Go to casper.com slash Rome 50. Use the code Rome 50 and get $50 towards the purchase of select mattresses. Again, casper.com slash Rome 50. Use the code Rome 50 and get 50 bucks off towards the purchase of select mattresses. Casper.com. Terms and conditions do apply. We're talking Kentucky football, running back Benny Snell Jr., my guest. You know, it seems to me Mississippi State is a really physical football team. That's something they pride themselves on. So what kind of a statement did you and your teammates make in dominating them and being able to run the ball as effectively on them as you were? Uh, definitely that we are the most physical team uh, that uh, out of that matchup, I could say. Um, you know, we, we knew that. They had players all across the board. They had guys that could make plays, you know. But with me, with me trusting my line, with my line doing such a great job, with my tight end doing such a great job, you know, with Terry, my receivers, you know, it was just it was just all in one. And I, I would take this offense over over. I could say I feel like this offense could take on any defense. Like I was saying before the game, before the Mississippi State game, like you know, I'm very confident in this offense. And I know the things that we can do because I see it in practice every day. Benny Snell Jr., my guest, you were talking about the environment. The crowd started to chant Heisman, Heisman as you left the field. And now your name is coming up frequently as a Heisman candidate. And there's a great launch of a website, SnellYeah.com, which is awesome. What does the Heisman yeah. buzz mean to you? And what would it mean to you to actually win the award? Man, that such a prestigious award, it, it's such a blessing that my name is is, is even in, in, around that talk right now. You know, it, it's a, I'm blessed, but I, I'm still I'm still I still have the underdog feeling. You know, it's it's not like I'm successful or this team is successful and you know we we've made it. No, like we have a lot of big games left, and it's still early in the season. We're just four and zero. We got a lot more games to win, so I'm looking forward to that. The Heisman talk, you know, I feel like the Heisman talk is kind of late. You know, my numbers, my numbers have always been there, but you know, we haven't been really a winning program as we should be now. So now that the wins are coming, it's now the Heisman talk's coming. You know what I'm saying? So now I just try to, you know, I stay focused, like nothing's changed, and I'm gonna go forward. But I'm very blessed for that award. I would, I would probably cry if I was able to get that award in my hands. Kentucky, number 17 in both polls. They're 4-0. They're coming off a big win. Another big one coming up against South Carolina. You know, Benny mentioned that you kind of were approaching it like an underdog. Fact is, you back a little bit because being overlooked is nothing new to you. For instance, you played high school football about 15 miles from Ohio State. You were a big Buckeyes fan. How much interest did you get from Ohio State from a recruiting perspective, and what kind of an impact did that have on you? Yeah, I could they say that, um, you know, Ohio State, uh, it was like a real gray area. You know, they would come to my high school. I, I would talk to them a little bit. I could tell that as the camps went on, I would go to Friday Night Lights every day. I mean, every every chance I had, you know, I would go to the camps, and it's like they were just shying away from me, and I didn't know why, you know. And I was going to the camps. I was giving my all, and I was I felt like I was obviously the best back there, you know. But it's it's like a, um, I I soon to learn later that it was politics. They were taking backs to have politics, such as a back committed to Penn State, or 
they have a five-star rating, you know, and that's that's taking the true heart of football away because I just prepared and I worked my butt off for the 40 to, to, to not drop any balls, to go through all the drills and be first, you know what I'm saying? And they still they still didn't see that, and, and it just blew my mind. Um, for for it to go on with that and uh, through high school, you know, I'm I'm so glad I'm, I'm at Kentucky, you know, and I'm so glad I became who I who I am because I became bigger than what I ever thought I would be. Snell, yeah, hey, Benny, yeah, I, yeah, all the way, man. My man, my man, I've been in Kentucky. We have business interests in Kentucky. I love Lexington. I love Lex Vegas. What was it about Kentucky that made you feel like that was the right place for you? Definitely, I came on my visit. I, I, I felt like home right away. You know, it wasn't too far from Ohio. You know, all the people were so nice. Like, you know, all the people were asking who I was and what my name was, and, and I didn't know them. Like, I wouldn't know anybody. And I'm just walking downtown, like on the street. Um, Coach Stoops had a, had a, such a great plan. You know, he wanted to change the program around, and I wanted to be a part of that. He had his um, millions of dollars put in this facility, so only greatness can come up out of that. Especially with all my guys that came in my class, such as Chad Daniels, you know, um, guys that were sold in on this plan, you know, and I wanted to make a difference. So that's what I wanted to do. So one more thought then. When you're getting this attention and you're getting this buzz around the program, people are no longer sleeping on you. They're no longer sleeping on that program or that team. What do you want people to know about Kentucky football that they don't know? Yeah. um, I want them to know that, like, a lot happens behind doors that people don't get to see. This, This brotherhood, this brotherhood is stronger than people than the eye may catch. Like, if I have any questions, if I have any help or just a little thing, like just to hang out, like I'm calling cast, I'm calling my linemen, like, you know, like, just for instance, like, if I have a, if I have a question just to get better as a running back, as just a linebacker, I'll ask Jordan Jones or cash, you know, and they'll help me get better. And then they'll have a question, and then I'll help them get better. So, and then not to mention, like, on the weekends, it's like, I'm just, I'm FaceTiming, like, the whole team. Then they're like, hey, what's going on? What y'all doing? You know, we'll, we'll wake up, we'll go see a movie. Like, it's it's, it's just stronger than, than what the eye can see. And, like, not to mention, we, we worked out, we hustled, like, all summer, you know? So it's like, we're like, it's kind of like we're in the army, like the Marines. Like that, these are my real brothers. So it, it's a real brotherhood right here. What I'm hearing is no days off, all love, and it's fam, right? It's fam. Yes, sir. Benny Snell Jr., my guest, last thought. At this rate, you're going to go down as one of the SEC's top 10 all-time rushers by the end of the season. Man, there have been some amazing running backs, some great, great running backs to come through the SEC. What's it going to feel like to hear your name mentioned alongside theirs? Whenever that time comes, uh, it's, it's going to be a great feeling. I'm going to be blessed. I'm going to be proud of, of who I am, what I've become. And I'm going to definitely just want to give thanks to my linemen and those tight ends, you know, and they just, you know, they don't get that much credit as they deserve, but they do such a great job for making the paving the way for me. You know, I run hard, and you know, I can run through a tackler or two at any time because I'm always get mine. But you know, without them, I would be nothing. So their their help is so big, and it's going to be a blessing. Now, just because Tiger honks, scratched that five-year itch last weekend, does not mean that the golf season's over. Far from it. Ryder Cup week. I know a bunch of dudes wearing matching polos and golfing for pride is not everybody's idea of a good time. You are entitled to your take. But if that is your take, you're wrong. Ryder Cup rules. Not as much as when the U.S. is getting its ass kicked, which is a fairly frequent occurrence because it's always meant more to the European players than it does to us. But as a sporting event overall, it's awesome. It kills. Golfers obviously can be pretty buttoned up and boring most of the time. Except one week out of every two years, these dudes lose their collective minds. And it's not just the players. 
Obviously, it's the galleries. It's the fans both here and in Europe. Hell, it's golf Twitter. And yesterday, we got one of the most cold-blooded, annoying deeks ever. When both the Golf Channel and Golf.com posted on their verified blue check mark accounts a freaking Anthony Kim sighting. There he was in the flesh. The swaggiest golfer in the history of the sport. The hero of Valhalla. Rocking an absolutely fire hairstyle and pureeing irons on the driving range just in time for the Ryder Cup. My man looked tight. I retweeted the video with the caption. The hero we need, get him to France, stat. Only problem, like any AK sighting, it was only a mirage. And after the golf pro who posted the original video on the gram realized that he melted the internet, he fessed up to the vid being a couple years old. No! My dream of seeing AK, AK back on the course is back to being just that, a dream. My dreams of getting this guy back on the show still up in the air. But just that taste, that trip down memory lane, left me wanting more. Never mind Eldrick. The real comeback would be AK showing up and showing out with the belt buckle, with the swag. I'll admit it. I'm a full-blown Honk Nation card-carrying member for Anthony Kim. To this day, I have never seen a dude with that much swag rolling like that on the track, much less in Ryder Cup play. Anthony Kim coming back and destroying, well, very unlikely, if not impossible, might be the one thing in sports that I would wish for over everything else. One of my favorite athletes of all time. And I'm not afraid to say it. I am a card-carrying member of the AK Honk Nation. This dude, his game, his swag, the mystery that surrounds him even to this day, it blows my mind. It will probably never, ever happen, but then again, never say never. Wesley Woodyard is my guest. Wesley, good morning. It's so good to have you back. How are you? I'm doing good. Good morning, Jim. Good morning. What's up to the jungle out there? Wesley, what's up? Good to have you back. I love having you on the program. Listen, before you and I talk about your win this weekend, I've got to talk to you about your program back in Kentucky. I had Kentucky running back Benny Snow Jr. (laughs) on the program last segment or a couple of segments back. I know you're a proud Wildcat. What do you make of how your crew is doing this year in the SEC? Man, I'm excited, man. Uh, you know, I get a chance to interact with some of those guys, especially uh, Benny, man. Me and him are been, been, been grown to be fun to each other, man. He's a great playmaker. I'm excited, man. This is the year that the Cats can take that next step, man. You know, they got a chance to win the East. Big, big, big game this week, South Carolina at home. So they got to do some things, man. But I like the way Benny and the Wildcats are controlling the ball and, and having a running attack and their defense are making plays, too. Wesley Woodyard joining us. Wesley, I love the way Benny handles himself both on and off the field. He's getting some Heisman run right now. Could you see him putting together a Heisman Trophy campaign? Is he that good? I, I definitely think he's that good. You, you look at the record that he broke from the previous record holder. That was Randall Cobb. And Cobb was a dominant player in in the, in the collegiate level. And would if he had a little bit of recognition, a little bit more wins, probably could have been up for a couple good awards. But I definitely think Benny is putting together a campaign that uh, is making a fair cause to be up there, you know, one of the four finalists. All right, so Kentucky had a great win on Saturday, and then you followed that up with a 9-6 win over the Jags on Sunday. I had Jacksonville's Tashawn Gibson on the show last week, and while he had nothing but respect for you guys, he also made the point of saying that you beat them twice last year. They really wanted to change that. Knowing how badly they wanted that win, how good did it feel to beat the Jags yet again? I tell you, anytime you get a victory in, in, in the National Football League, it feels great. But definitely a division opponent, you know, the, the Jaguars, this is, you know, our new rival. And, uh, you know, if we come to play, they come to play every every year, every game we play them. So, man, it's excitement out there on the football field. They do a little trash talking. And, you know, we just got to go out there and back it up with our play on the field and, you know, make it a four-quarter war. That's what we were able to do this past Sunday. Now, on that first drive, you came through with a sack of Blake Bortles. What did you see on that play, and how big was that in terms of setting the tone for the entire day? 
Uh, you know, it, it was it was a big play. I actually gave myself a plus minus on that because my reaction should have been a little faster. <laughs> <laughs> okay. But uh, you know, I just I had a chance to uh, to make a play for the defense, man. We uh, I was man. It was a man coverage. I had a chance to add on uh, on my running back at the time, and you know, I just had to go and make a play, man. So that's that's what it's all about, man. That was our game plan going into that. We make sure we frustrate and uh, affect Bortles, and we got a good we got a good job doing that. Wesley Woodyard, my guest. All right, so you gave yourself a plus minus on that play. What about the defense overall? You didn't commit any penalties. You did not allow a play of more than 19 yards. You forced four three and outs. What kind of marks do you give the entire defense, top to bottom? Man, you know, I, I definitely said that was a, a A game. You know, that's the kind of game that you need to win to put you into the playoffs, to win those close games in, you know, November and December when is when all the games are going to be close. So that was something we came in, you know, we, we knew as a whole we would give ourselves the best chance to win. If we stopped the run, we didn't give up penalties, uh, and we didn't give up plays over 20 yards. Uh, that's something that we preach every weekend. And if you control those, and, you know, we just got to get some get some turnovers in there. If we control that, put turnovers in there, the, the, the odds are stacked in your favor to win the game. Now, Wesley, there's only one way to celebrate a win like that, and that's with an amazing post-game outfit. And you broke out a killer <laughs> look, but as you called it, a jag killer's look. For those who have not seen it, can you take a moment and describe that look and the thought process that went into putting it together? <laughs> So, man, uh, I, I had a college uh, teammate that uh, I, I had already thought of this and planned it out, man. You know, it's all fun and games uh, in the NFL, man. You got to have some character and you got to enjoy this league while you're in it. So, you know, I had thought about it before the game. I put together about three little off- three little outfits, you know, my tie. Then I wore black to the game, you know, getting ready for a funeral. And then I wore, wore my, my my best Florida Florida uh, Florida shirt I could find that had a, a Jaguar on it. So man, it was just all in the fun of game, man. You know, just making this game exciting. And you know, how could you not like my my antics, man? I, I love this game. I have too much fun. You know, no, no. I hope nobody nobody got sensitive about that. <laughs> now, dude, your antics are great. I love the take too. That listen, you got to enjoy this thing. You know, the NFL is not for long. You never know how long it's going to be. You have to enjoy it. Now, I know your teammates loved it. They said they thought that outfit made you look like a snitch. <laughs> or a narc, or a character from Grand Theft Auto, and they wanted to know if you were wearing a wire. What's your reaction to that? Were they just jealous? Hey, the, the same the same teammates that were clowning me on my post game interviews were the same teammates that was asking me where'd you get that shirt from? Let me get that shirt. So man, hey, that's what it's all about, man. You know, when guys retire from this game, that that's the that's the the biggest thing that most players say they miss the camaraderie in the locker room, that that bond, that brotherhood, and, and that's what we're all about, man. We're just trying to you know build off of the success we had last year. We got a new coach in here, uh, coach coach Ray's man, new philosophy, new scheme, and you know, we're just trying to put it together and be a complete team, and I think we took a, a right step in that direction. We just got to continue to add on to it. You know, you mentioned a couple of things I was going to ask you about because when you see the team posting a video of Mike Vrabel's postgame speech and watching it, man, it seems like there's a great vibe and a great chemistry in that locker room. Obviously, everything's going to feel much better after a win and a really nice win like that, but what's it been like playing for Vrabel so far? Man, it's, it's been, a, been a lot of fun, man. You know, anytime you have a defensive-minded coach, out there, he's going to be challenging everybody on the defense to be a, be a better player and to be a better teammate. So every day you got to come to work hard. You should be that way every every day, but definitely when you got a linebacker as a head coach, man, because he's going to be stricter on the linebackers than he is anybody any other position. So man, you got to come and bring it. He's a guy that had a lot of success in this league when he was in the league. So you definitely know he knows what he's talking about and he understands the game of football. Wesley Woodyard joining us for a few more moments. Speaking of the game of football. Wesley, you've been around the league for a while now. You've been playing football much longer than that. The big talking point, of course, so far, the roughing the passer penalties. What do you make of how that rule is being enforced? Man, it's 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 changing the the way we play football. You know, you look back uh, a few years ago when they changed the targeting rule to receivers, you know, it affected a lot of receivers, ACLs, and a lot of neat things. There are a lot of unforeseen things when we change rules in the games, but it's definitely affecting our game, you know, as far as defensively. Every penalty is a first down, and this is just another one that gives the offense a first down. But, uh, you know, it, it sucks, man. I saw the guy in uh, Miami tears ACL trying not to put a lot of pressure on the quarterback. But, hey, man, it, it comes a point in time where you just got to let guys play and, you know, hopefully they're they're being coached and they're they're holding themselves accountable to play in this game fair and just and you know not trying to take cheap shots.
I mean, wasn't that wild? You see a guy who's trying not to use all his weight to fall on a quarterback, and he kind of moves off the tackle, and he rips up a knee, tears an ACL. I mean, really a weird thing. At this point, do you even know how to tackle a quarterback without getting a flag, or does it feel like you might see a flag on any play? Oh, yeah. You, you got to tackle them, and as soon as you hit them, you got to make sure that you put the air matches down on the ground so they don't get hurt. <laughs> <laughs> That's the best way to tackle them. But it's, it's tough, man. It's one of those adjustments that we're going to have to make on the fly and, you know, just understand it, man. You know, it's one of the rules of the game that they're, they're putting a, a heavy emphasis on, and we just got to be, you know, we got to be professionals. And as hard as it is, we just got to do our best to, to not get that penalty called on us. You know, Wesley, you've always done an amazing job of understanding the opportunity in front of you, how lucky you are to have that, to maximize that. But you're playing some of the best football of your career. How do you explain the fact that you've been in that league for a minute or two, and yet you're playing as well as you are, if not better than ever before? How explain that and you know man it's it's funny that you say that I actually just got through talking to my high school coach uh yesterday and he always hits me with this you know never think that you've arrived and and what that basically means is he would always tell us before a, a Friday night football game like guys you have to work hard every day you can't you cannot think you've arrived to your top because once you get to the top you always fall down. So, man, it's just striving to be a better player every week, every year, and every time I step on that football field. And, man, I got a, I got a crazy why, man. I got three kids and a beautiful wife, and I would love seeing my kids smile, man, and, and making them happy when I'm out there on the football field and get a chance to uplift God's kingdom at the same time. I think that's awesome. I think that's awesome that you still talk to your high school coach. One last thought. Marcus, because you guys were banged up on offense, Marcus Mariota did not start that game because he's dealing with an injury. Then he came back in when Blaine Gabbert went down. So what did he show you by the way he battled through that injury and found a way to grind it out and get a win? (laughs) Man, he showed us everything. Heart, courage, determination, man. That's what a true teammate is about, man. You know, he wasn't even supposed to take a snap in that game, but gets in there. And not only does he help us win a game, gets himself a game ball and, and a player player to the game from, from our standpoint with the Titans. So, man, you know, man, Marcus, man, he just continues to, to stack those, those good, good teammate vibes, man, and, and guys are continue to bind in with whatever he says, man. I'm seeing things that, that this year out of Marcus that are going to take him to the next level in his career, man. And it's good to be his teammate and be able to witness that growth in him. He is 11 years into the NFL right now, a Tennessee Titans man of the year last season. And I'm proud to say a very, very good friend of the program, Philadelphia at Tennessee on Sunday. Wesley, so good to have you back. I appreciate you very much. And I always look forward to the conversation. All right. Good to talk to you, Jim. Take care. Not only did the Rockies last night smash the Phillies 10-3, to the Dodgers get walked off in the desert. The Cards dropped their second straight to the Brew Crew. Everything went Colorado's way last night. And after they were tattooed with a broom in L.A. last week, the Rocks have punched themselves off the ropes and they've gotten right back into the center of the ring and they're dropping haymakers. Five straight dubs at the most critical time. And people were throwing dirt on them. I have to admit, even I had my doubts. Make no mistake, they will go. And they've got some fight left in them. And as bad as L.A. and St. Louis wish they weren't there, they are. If the season ended right now, the Rockies would be in. Great news for Colorado. Bad news for St. Louis. But a lot can happen between now and the weekend. And with only a half game between the Rocks and the Dodgers, and only a half a game between the Rocks and the Cards, every single at-bat, every single pitch is huge. Through Sunday, playoff baseball starting early. All right, so all of that said, I brought you up to date. Let me go back to something that happened on Monday night, something I couldn't get to because of the NFL season. That'll happen during football. Something that went down on Monday night in the series opener between Philadelphia and Colorado because there's a video that maybe you've seen by now, and it's the part of the week where the NFL is not ripping every single watt of the spotlight. So let me go back because I've never seen a home run quite like the one Rockies outfielder David Dahl hit two nights ago. In case you missed this, and if you're watching on CBS Sports Network, you'll see it. He went 351 feet, oppo, of pure, unadulterated, literal pain. Because this opposite field dong barely cleared the left field wall and ended up taking out two dudes, barely over the wall, and put two dudes in the ground. One guy on the field, 
one guy in the stands. Baseball is a breeding ground for the weird, but nothing as weird as this. Check it out. This ball is well hit to left field. Altair going back. Yeah, it is. Is it gone? I think it's gone. I think it is gone. It went over the fence, and Altair still Uh-oh. Two-run opposite field home run, David Dahl. Look out. Wow. This one's scary. This one could be a broken nose. Concussion. He also obviously hurt his leg. They're just going to walk him straight off the field. The fan got hit in the head with the ball, too. Oh, man, right in the face. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, you need ice for that. Yeah, you need ice for that. So when you hear this guy say, oh, wow, that's scary. This could be a broken nose. This can be a concussion. There's a lot to unpack here. Who's broken nose? What concussion? Both of them? All right, so the first thing is Philadelphia left fielder Aaron Altair crashed. He went face first into the wall, blowing his lid off his dome, falling straight backwards in an obvious amount of pain, only to be walked off the field through the outfield gate minutes later. We've seen that before. It doesn't make it any less jarring to watch a guy on a dead sprint get wrecked by an immovable wall. I mean, it's scary. We've seen it before, but it's scary. Now, on the one hand, my man, I appreciate you selling out, but the warning track is there for a reason. Use it. But, but it was the replay when everybody was watching on TV, including the announcers, that realized that he might not have even gotten the worst of that. There was a fan right on the other side of the wall who ended up catching the ball with his face. Oh, man, right in the face. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, you need ice for that. Right in the face. In the face! In the face! Words don't do that justice because my man was in perfect position to make that grab. And by the way, showed up ready to make that grab, was there to make that grab. This guy showed up wearing a jersey and a hat, and he brought his leather. If this dude were not rocking a gray beard, looking like he was pushing 65 years of age, you would have confused him for a player. Until he missed the ball with his glove completely, and he caught it with his face. Oh, man, right in the face. Oh I, I'm not sure. Yeah, you need ice for that. You do need ice for that. I've never seen anything like a play like that. I mean, I've seen guys run into the wall before. I've seen guys try to catch a ball with their face before. I've never seen it happen on the same exact play, like bang, bang. That's a bang, bang play right there. Player goes down, old man goes down. Literally in a flash, in one second. Simultaneously, on, on one side of the fence... Man, I, I hope you can see the video. I hope you're watching on CBS Sports Network. On one side of the fence, you've got a Phillies player on the ground, his hat blown off, grabbing his face. On the other side of the fence, less than one second later, you've got a Rockies fan on the ground with his hat blown off, grabbing his face. They're both doing the exact same thing. This is the most literal example in the history of mankind of killing two birds with one stone. It's perfect. Two birds with one stone. Again, the fan who caught the ball with his face was not some spry chicken. The dude was the spitting image of Blue from old school. You're my boy, Blue! And and luckily, for the record, I would not be doing this take if this guy was not all right. He was. He was. He was fine. He was seen later manning up, icing his grill with a frozen bottle of water. Question is, is there an ice pack for your ego or your dignity? Because both those things, I think, got wrecked more than that old guy's kisser. Listen, (laughs) if you're going to bring a glove to the yard, you better make that play. Especially if you're over the age of 12 and you're bringing a glove to the yard. If you're over the age of 12 and you're bringing your leather to the yard and it's a routine fly ball... You better snap that thing shut. You better make that play. Freaking altitude. Any other park, and Aaron Altair makes that grab. He makes that grab on the track, and the senior citizen 
keeps his face in one piece. I guess it could have been worse. It could have been a home game. Because if that fan were in Philadelphia, he might have taken a tinfoil-wrapped hot dog dead in the eye from a cannon launcher. Remember what happened to that lady earlier this season. Moral of the story, do not bring your glove if you're only going to use your face instead. Words to live by, do not bring your glove if you plan on using your face to catch a ball. Take it from the old man on the ground, seeing double-double, looking for his hat. Oh, man, right in the face. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, you need ice for that. Again, that would have been an amazing play if either one of those things happened. But the fact that they happened, like bang, bang, that was incredible. Altair just selling out, dead sprint, face first into the wall. Not one of those like he's tracking it, he's looking back, he's looking for the wall, he's finding the fly ball. This guy was back to the ball, face first into the wall, which is why they have dirt there. The dirt is a warning track. It's a warning that there's about to be a wall smashing into your face. But then again, in the old guy's defense, there wasn't a warning track for him. Maybe he lost it in the lights. I don't know, but it found his face. Oh. Luckily, he's all right. Luckily, he's all right. That is the epitome, though, of hitting two birds with one stone. That is the epitome of bang, bang. Lamps would have been all over that. Bang. And again, a good friend of the program, Jeff Passin. Jeff, what's up? How are you? Jimmy, it is great to be back for the first time after one of the worst smack-off calls ever. I, I appreciate you having the grace and the faith to invite me back in. Um, I'm, I'm glad that my phone has become a meme destined to live on in jungle lore alongside such long-lost relics as Patty and Modesto's empties, Left and Laguna's scripts, and Cal and Vegas's dignity. And I figure I'm here to talk baseball, so I'm confident that my phone line is going to be loud and clear and without any issues, so unless you want to rightfully and understandably brutalize me for that debacle of a call in July, let's talk some baseball. Never, never. I didn't then. I won't now. Your phone line sounds absolutely perfect. If you want to just call and smash clones and spend the next 10 minutes, we can do that too, but there's so many good baseball questions. All right, Jeff, so with the combination of wins and losses among the Dodgers, the Rockies, the Brewers, the Cards, and the Cubs last night, I mean, this is a wild affair. How would you describe the National League playoff picture right now? chaos, ridiculousness, awesomeness. You can look at it in any number of ways. I mean, this is true. There is a scenario in which six teams tie with 91 wins right now. Now, it means the Cubs would have to lose out. It means the Brewers would have to lose out. And it wouldn't, you know, it means the Rockies would have to win out. Um, The Cardinals would have to win out. And in all likelihood, that is not going to happen. But what we have is a couple scenarios that lead to game 163 on Monday. And that is if the Cubs and Brewers tie atop the NL Central. You need to determine a champion there to see which one is going to go ahead and get the number one seed and which one's going to go to the wild card. You would have game 163 in Chicago. And then if the Rockies we're just a half game back of the Dodgers right now. Catch them. All of a sudden, we're looking at a game 163 in Los Angeles on Monday. And then you throw the Cardinals into the mix. If they end up tied with the Dodgers and the Rockies, then the loser of that game 163 between the Dodgers and Rockies goes on to play a game 164 against the Cardinals in St. Louis, presumably the next day, to figure out who the second wild card team is going to be. So all of these different scenarios swimming around, we really know nothing outside of the Atlanta Braves having the National League East clinched, and we're five days before the end of the season. It's a pretty cool situation considering just how set the American League is at this point and how there's really no drama left there. Jeff Passon joining us, although it's the most unlikely of uh, scenarios, a six-way tie with 91 wins would be about the best thing ever. Now, if you had to handicap the race right now, who do you expect is the team to beat in the National League? And do you think the best of the National League matches up with the best of the American League? I'm of two minds, and I'm going to answer that latter one first. I I look at the American League, and and you see a team like Tampa Bay that has been – really good in the American League East 
this season. And you say, could they be the best team in the National League right now? And I think some people, uh, especially in the American League, believe so. But I think that the parity throughout the National League actually is going to serve it well. Uh, there are no walkovers in the National League outside of maybe Miami, maybe San Diego. In the American League, if you play the Orioles, you know you're going to win. If you played the Royals before September, you know you're going to win. The Rangers have been terrible. The White Sox have been terrible. The Tigers have been terrible. It's just a very have and have not league. And so the National League, I think there's been some good competition there. I keep coming back, though, to the teams that have been in the NLCS for the last two years, the Chicago Cubs and the Los Angeles Dodgers. And I know both of them are in the midst of what looks like right now choking away division leads. Both of them only have half-game leads at this point. The Dodgers are tied in the loss column with the Rockies. But again, it's just about the talent. And, and the only other team I would put up there is probably the Milwaukee Brewers because October has turned into such a bullpen-centric game and they have Josh Hader, and they have Jeremy Jeffers, two of the best players, or two of the best relievers, rather, in baseball this season. Uh, the National League, though, it, it's just tough to see, even with all of that parity, even with all that competition, them stacking up against the Red Sox or the Astros or the Indians, who are going to have a rotation with Kluber, Carrasco, Bauer, and Clevenger, or even the Yankees, who have a chance to win 100 games this season. And, and I'm not going to put the A's in that category, but the A's are on the cusp of 100 wins as well, which is absolutely incredible considering they're the Oakland freaking A's. Jeff, that's my favorite story in Major League Baseball this year. There are so many great storylines. My favorite storyline, though, is the A's on the verge of 100 wins, and they're dangerous. You know, they're dangerous in a wild card. They're dangerous in a one-game setup for sure. What about the Houston Astros? It is so difficult to repeat as World Series champions. Does Houston feel like a team that can do it? Number one, the Astros are finishing strong. They've won five in a row right now. They hit the 100-win mark right last night and, and clinched the NL West. I mean, they are on a tear at this point. Number two, their run differential is plus 264 this season. That is better than last year. That is better than the Red Sox this year. So the Astros clearly have both the lineup with Jose Altuve having a Jose Altuve-type season, with Alex Bregman, who I think is the individual breakout star of 2018 in baseball, not just on the field, but personality-wise. Like, that guy has some serious BDE going on. Like, he is an interesting dude, and, and you, he walks into a room, and you just say, who is that guy? He's 5'9", or 5'10", and he walks around like he's 6'5", and just owns the place. Alex Bregman just has that star energy about him. And then you have a rotation that has Justin Jeff, 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 go back, go back to that for a minute. Cole. I, I got to interrupt. Go back to that because I, I, I could not agree with you more. I, why this year as opposed to last year? I am absolutely fascinated by Bregman, fascinated by oh. this guy. What makes you say that about him right now? I, I would have said that about him last year, Jim. You, Me too. When he got to the big leagues, he walked in there into the clubhouse and didn't just have like that rookie posture of, okay, I'm here, I need to be excited, I need to earn my job. No, he walked in and said, I don't just belong, but I'm going to be one of the best players in baseball. And he doesn't have that size, but he has the work ethic. And, you know, this is a kid from New Mexico. And I, I feel like all the players, there are not a lot of them, but all the players I've run into who are from states where baseball is just not a big deal, they have this chip on their shoulder. And Bregman has always had and continues to have that chip on his shoulder where he feels like people look at him and they don't see him the way he sees himself in the mirror. When Alex Bregman is standing in front of the mirror, he's the best-looking guy in the world. He's the strongest guy in the world. He's the best baseball player in the world. And he's capable of translating that onto the field. And it's been marvelous to watch because he is just such a fun player. So, I mean, obviously, you know I'm into this topic. Or I'm going to follow you one more time. Like, similar in that regard to Dustin Pedroia when he exploded or different? Similar, you know, that, that's actually a really good comp. 
That's a really good comp because they have very similar personalities, actually. Pedroia is sneaky funny. Like, Pedroia is the guy who, if you say something and it's off or it's wrong, he's just going to crush you for it. And, and Bregman's the same way. Bregman will always have, like, the first funny line in the conversation. He's always looking to needle you, and he, he's, he's somebody who can wear out his welcome with others, but if he is your teammate, you will go to the mattresses for him. Jeff Passon, my guest. All right, Jeff, last thought, because you are a man with range. I got to take you away from baseball and ask you about the Philadelphia Phillies mascot, Gritty. Uh, what do you make of this thing? Gritty? Boy. Gritty <laughs> looks like what happens when you go out into the desert on a vision quest drop one too many tabs of acid on your tongue and come out with what you think is a great idea for a mascot. I have, an, I have issues with mascots in the first place. I, I was always scared of like Ronald McDonald and Grimace and, and all of those creatures that McDonald's trotted out. I think I have post-traumatic stress from those incidents back in my childhood. Of course. The thing about Gritty, though, is it's not the long orange hair that's bad it's not the fact that like every other mascot he is pear-shaped with this really weird like ring that goes all the way around him that's like a giant gut and a giant i I don't get that either it's the googly eyes man the googly eyes freak me out and and when he when he whips his head around and the eyes start googling I feel like I'm going to have a seizure at that point because I'm, I'm looking into the eyes of something that might just kill me. The New York guys just matched up the video perfectly to your description on CBS Sports Network. This is why, in part, he was a bronze medalist in the 2017 Smack-Off. He is the author of The Arm, the host of the Yahoo Sports MLB podcast, and, of course, an MLB columnist for Yahoo Sports. My man, Jeff, great job, bro. Really well done. Always good to have you back in the jungle. And do not sweat last year's Smack-Off. You should be looking ahead to 2019 already. Hey, I, I appreciate the invite, Jimmy, and I promise you I will come far stronger and far cleaner this year. Good night now! We've got all the news right here. I'm going to stop you right there. I see you about to settle on a day-old donut for breakfast. Well, this is a chicken intervention. Because McChicken Biscuits and Chicken McGriddles are now at McDonald's. So just hit that drive through and change your life. For breakfast, you got this. Wake up breakfast. Say good morning to McChicken for breakfast. Right now at your local McDonald's, you can mix and match two Chicken McGriddles or McChicken Biscuits for just $3. Price and participation may vary at participating McDonald's for a limited time.